0: Hallelujah, hallelujah, and uh, I am <clears throat> going to start on a, a subject uh, here that I've actually been touching on uh, a few times when I've been in the Kansas campus, um, but I want to uh, approach some of the aspects of this teaching here in um, the Little Rock campus, and it has to do with being Word-governed. It has to do with being Word-governed, and so if you do not take the opportunity to access the teachings from the other YouTube channel or the other Roku channel or podcast, whichever is your preference to feed on the Word, I encourage you to subscribe to both, because pastor and i a lot of times what we're preaching here we will preach there and it will come out a little bit different and you'll get aspects of that teaching that you might not have seen here just because of the way the different way of delivery or the different way the spirit of god was ministering in each campus so uh when we Uh, when we minister, uh, you can feed off of us from whichever campus. So we have a Roku channel for the Little Rock and the uh, the Kansas City area, uh, as well as a podcast and as well as a YouTube channel. So Uh, go back and watch those and listen to them. And if you see that you've been feeding on a teaching here, and we've done a segment of it there, watch and and just kind of see how those different elements are brought out so that it will help you grow in those areas. And the importance of being Word-governed is something that we will continually revisit in our life because we are born of the Word. We see from 1 Peter chapter 1, let's begin there, and verse 23, that we have received our spirit life, our born-again condition, because of, as a result of receiving God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Born again by the word of God. Born again by the word of God. Well, you know, usually when we talk about being born again, we talk about the process of salvation and we say we believe in our heart that Jesus, that God raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we are saved. And we look at it from that believing point. But how did we start believing? Because if you look closer at that chapter in Romans 10, it says, how can they believe except that they hear? And how do they hear except someone be sent and, or someone preach? And how is someone going to preach except they be sent? And so the preaching causes the hearing that causes the believing that ultimately causes the salvation. So the preaching of the word, and then it goes on to bring it all to one, uh, one statement in saying, and faith comes by hearing, or faith is by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith ultimately has its root system in hearing the declared preached, announced, uttered word. When Jesus was talking about the parable of the sower, he said, this is the ground that heard the word. This is the ground that heard the word. And this is the ground that heard the word. And this is the ground. All four types of ground, you can find that they all heard. In order for the word to be sown into the ground, it had to be uttered. It had to be declared. It had to be announced. It had to be voice activated. And so the preaching, the declaring is not limited to the person behind a pulpit or you listening to a sermon through a podcast or the Roku channel or the YouTube channel, you can declare it in your own house to yourself. You can pull your scripture out and you can open up your Bible and you can say, 1 Peter 2, 24 says, By his stripes I am healed. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 says, Himself took my infirmities and he bore my sicknesses. And so you can declare that word to yourself, of course, and then hearing is taking place and your heart can receive it. But ultimately, it is the Word of God that contains the creative power of God. It is the Word of God. God has placed His creative power in His Word. When it says in Hebrews chapter 1 that He upholds all things by the Word of His power... It did not say by the power of his word because that could leave an idea that there's power elsewhere. he, He has placed his power within his word and so it says not by the power of his word but by the word of his power. The word that contains his power. And so Jesus is the word before he took on a human form, before he had a physical body, before he became a man born of a virgin, before that time he existed. He's always existed with God, right? He, he has always been. Jesus has always been in existence. But he has not always had a physical form. He has not always had a human body. He became a man when he was formed In Mary's womb. But before then he existed as the word. John chapter 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and the same was in the beginning with God. So the word Jesus verse 14 of John 1 says he became flesh. The word became flesh. So the Word has always existed. The Word of God we see in Genesis chapter 1. God said, God said, God said. We see the action of the Word in creation. And that's why it says in John chapter 1, "...by Him, through Him all things consist. Without Him there was not anything made that was made." John chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 1 identify that it Jesus the Word, the Word is the one who made all things and, and the Word is the source of our being born again. The Word is the container for God's creative power including the power to bring you to the newness of life. To bring you and me into a place where our spirit is now alive unto God. We believed the word and in the believing we received it into the heart and it flourished. It opened up and released the power of the seed of God's word and we were born again. So because we are born again of the word, the word then becomes our necessary substance for our spiritual life there is no forward movement without the word there is no strength without the word there is no maturity without the word there is no change in our life without the word we need the word like our body needs water like our body needs food like like a plant needs sunlight we need the word spiritually, and it has to, it has to um, not have a secondary place or or a a a a side position for it to give the proper um, direction to our life. It has to be in a position to dominate us, to govern us. So when we say that Jesus is Lord, we are saying that Jesus is the one who governs us, that we are submitted to the lordship of Jesus. He's not just the one who died on the cross for me. He's not just the one who shed his blood for me, but because what gives me the... The access to the salvation is when I say Jesus is Lord. With the mouth, with the mouth confession is made. What do we do? We believe with the heart that God raised him from the dead, but with the mouth we say Jesus is Lord. It's when I submit verbally to his lordship. Well, if Jesus is Lord, then his word governs us. How can you say Jesus is Lord but then you won't do his word? You know, Jesus confronted some people about that, didn't he? He said, you call me Lord, Lord, but you won't obey my word. You won't do what I say. So he did not consider them to be in line with their declaration of his lordship. Why? Because their actions, they weren't submitted to his sayings. Amen? His word. So... The way that we we flow in the kingdom is by allowing the Word to govern us. And so this helped me a lot when I first got saved because I had not been raised in church. I had been around church a little bit. My grandparents went to church, and I went with them a little bit. But I had not been raised to know the ways of God. And so when I got saved, I had a lot... uh, I had a history of rebellion (laughs) and rule-breaking... And um, uh, it was a lifestyle to live against what rules were. And so as I came into the kingdom of God, I had to learn that I ha- how to submit to the instructions of God and not hate it. And, and the more that I learned about God, the more that I realized all of his instructions are good for me there's not anything God instructs me that is going to cause hardship in my life. Now, some people would say, well, you know, uh, let's say, for instance, you come across a young person who thinks it's okay to sleep around and have sex with people they're not married to, and they think, well, I don't want to go to church because they're going to tell me I'm fornicating. They're going to tell me I can't, I can't sleep and with who I want to sleep with and have sex with who I want to have sex with. And so they think, that that instruction of god is ruining their liberties that is taking away their their freedoms in reality it's protecting their lives because there's nothing beneficial about that in the long run there's nothing beneficial it's 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 a, a it's it's a it's something that you've got to live a while maybe to learn it unless you'll just allow the wisdom of someone who's been there <laughs> to be imparted to you, but it causes more hardship. It causes more difficulty. And then when you do find the person that you want to live and be in love with and in holy matrimony for the rest of your life, that will be difficult because that, that there has been so much uh, uh, of, of a giving away of something that was supposed to be meant for a holy, a holy union. And I don't know, what, I'm just using that as an example because that's a, that's a big one where, where uh, uh, we've got a generation of people who think it's their right to, to do that. And, and when we come to him and he's Lord then I began to see things from his his perspective. And I began to recognize he's not telling me that because he's trying to keep me from enjoying my life. He's telling me that because he knows the dangers and the pain and the the difficulties that are attached with that lifestyle. And so this is one of those areas that we have to, Learn to submit to the Word. There is no instruction that God gives that is for our detriment. Every instruction of God is for our good. It is protective. It it, it will save us. It'll save us hardship. It'll save us struggle. It'll save us pain. It'll save us uh, sadness. It'll save us from all kinds of things that we don't even know in the front. But, but if, you've, if you've ever walked it out a little while and you realize, I, I wish I had not been in this condition, in this situation, having to deal with these things, then you'll realize that's why God made that rule for me. You know, as I've raised my children, I, I, I found many times that I had a rule and they didn't like my rule. But my rule was not because I was trying to hurt them or make them miserable. You know, one of my rules was the, a curfew. And that curfew was because I've lived long enough to know there is nothing profitable happening after midnight for my teenager. There's nothing my teenager could be involved in that is going to profit them after midnight. It, it just, it, they can just be home safe in the bed no need for you to be out till 2 when you're 16 years old, when you're 17 years old, when you're 18 years old. There's nothing good happening, right? Here's another one my kids didn't like. You can't put 15 people in my car. <laughs> they wanted to load up all their friends and, I mean, just, just squeeze them in the car. No, no, you're not going to, you're not going to use my car to like a van <laughs> and a passenger van, and load up all your friends and stack them like cardboard in the back seat. That's not profitable. There were rules, and they were always for their protection. Always for their protection. And so, when they acted on the rules, they were able to walk in that protection if they allowed it to govern them. If they didn't, it always caused. Problems And usually problems that they would have re- refer- preferred not to have learned the hard way. Amen. So when we begin to look at the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to govern us, we see uh, that it is something that is practiced, something that we give our submission to, something that we train ourselves to come to the Word looking for how I can apply it. It is a bad habit to listen for a sermon and say, ooh, you need that, and you need that, and you need that. Ooh, I need that for my sister, and I need to get a copy for my brother. I'm talking about things that I'm going to give them this CD so they can fix this attitude in their life i'm going to give them this cd because they're the ones doing this wrong right not one of those cds that's like it tells you who you are in christ and everybody let them, let me give those away but i don't want to listen to a message and and see where you're missing it in that message i want to listen to the message and see can i do that is there do, do i need to do am i doing that am i living that Am I walking in line with that? Can I do better about that? Lord, are you speaking to me about that? Because then I'm always open for correction. I'm always open for his instruction. And and my intent with being word governed is not, you're going to find out as we go along, it's really not about all the do's and don'ts. But the aspect of being governed by the word has to have um that place in our mind that we have to come to the word and we have to say if i see it in the word i will change in me what needs to change so that i can fit that if i see that i'm supposed to uh, use my mouth for a soft answer to turn away wrath then i want to apply that if i see in the word that i'm not to be quarreling but i am supposed to be kind one to another then i want to apply that right so I'm looking at the Word in the way to say, I am open for it to, to adjust me. Amen? Being governed by the Word. And then, then we're in a position for the believing. We're in the position for the Word to work correctly in our heart. And so let's talk a little bit about the heart. Uh, Romans chapter 10 and uh, we've kind of talked about it, but let's put our eyes on this verse 10, Romans 10, 10. And uh, we will compare that with one concept in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Romans 10 and verse 10 says, With the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the heart... So the word heart in the New Testament is interchangeable with the word spirit. With the heart man believes or with the spirit man believes unto righteousness. And we see that this action of believing with the heart and confessing with the mouth affects my eternal destiny. Such a dramatic impact on my life that it's eternal. Hallelujah. But It's my heart, not my head. It's my heart, not my emotions. My heart meaning my spirit. My spirit. With the spirit, the heart of man, the core of man, the innermost being of man, with the heart man believes unto righteousness. In Mark 11 and verse 23, we also see, Here in Jesus' teaching about faith, it says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So with the heart man believes, and it says, if you will not doubt but believe with the heart. So in both of these scriptures, it's the heart that does the believing that causes eternal change, eternal access to salvation, and even changes in the natural situations in our life. So it's my heart then that has to have this education, This development, this spiritual nutrition coming in from the Word of God and this uh, correct positioning governed by the Word of God and allowing the Word to train my heart, my spirit in the things of God. Hallelujah. Because my heart affects everything, even eternal things in my life. It's, see, that heart connection has to have a greater importance than just my intellectual development. Then A lot of people spend, spend lots of money and years and years uh, uh, developing intellectually, and, some th- this, and that's good, but unless it's at the expense of the heart. If, if I have the development of the heart, then I have also accessed the wisdom of God which will be able to help my intellect. See, God intended for us to live from here, from the Spirit. He intended for us to be Spirit-led. He intended for us to be uh, Spirit-enlightened. He intended for us to be uh, um, Spirit-educated with the Word, feeding on the Word so that our spirit knows how to respond to God, knows how to follow God, knows how to receive from God, knows how to apply the Word in our situation. And it doesn't just happen automatically because you own a Bible. It doesn't just happen because we go to a church. We have to apply the Word. We have to work the Word. We have to uh, interact with the Word and commune with the Word. And so uh, this, this development of the heart is essential for us. Proverbs 20 talks about the heart as well using that interchangeable word spirit. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27 talks about the spirit of man. And as we look at this, Proverbs 20, 27, I want you to um, also identify this phrase that I I use often, but uh, I want you to apply it correctly, the reborn human spirit. The reborn human spirit. When we are talking about a new creature in Christ, when we're talking about someone who is born again, we are identifying that their human spirit has been reborn. The Spirit of God dwells in the reborn human spirit, but you also have to recognize your spirit is no longer sinful. Your spirit's not a sinner spirit. Your spirit is alive unto God. Your spirit is made holy. We're going to see a scripture giving us that indication as well. As we move forward in this, uh, Ephesians 4 says that you put on the new man, new man which after God is created in uh, righteousness and true holiness, verse 24. Uh, but this reborn human spirit is capable of understanding and communicating with God. Your reborn human spirit is able to grow and mature and develop. So when it says here in verse 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, he is identifying this is the place where God is going to illuminate you. This is the place where God is going to shine his light of understanding, where God's going to speak to you. The word candle would be better translated for us as light bulb or or lamp, lamp. This is where God turns the lights on. This is where God illuminates you. The candle in the Old Testament was used to bring light into a room, to, to give light in a dark place, just the same way we use our light bulbs, light fixtures, lamps, lanterns. The spirit of man, the, the reborn human spirit, the reborn human spirit of man is the place where God is going to communicate. He prefers to communicate with our spirit instead of our mind, instead of our emotions, instead of tangible. And that's why we we learn to interact with Him in our heart. We learn to hear from Him in our heart and not limit him to having to show us things we can see with our eyes. In the Old Testament, Gideon received an instruction from God. He gave him some instruction about what to do in a battle, and Gideon, he he put God through a series of of, uh, actions to prove something to him. Gideon said, Lord, if it's you, when I get up in the morning, make this cotton dry and the ground all around it wet. And when he got up in the morning, the cotton was dry and the ground was wet. And then he said, God, if it's really you, make the cotton wet and the ground around it dry tomorrow. And, you know, God did it. God did those things for this person who was not reborn in their human spirit. He did that for this man who did not have the, la- the lights on, the lamp working in his spirit. He was limited to deal with him in that fashion, but he's not limited to deal with us, nor does he want to put out into an area, a realm where Satan can manipulate and Satan has access to make ground wet or dry, to to cause things to happen. So God's not going to take your destiny and put it in in, in such an unsecure environment, an unsafe way of communication. He has given us, in our spirit the ability to commune with the holy spirit who also lives in our reborn human spirit we're made alive by him he is when when the the seed of god's word brought us to life he's the life that it brought us to the holy spirit he is the life giver that was in the seed of the Word, and when we believed on it, He brought to life our dead spiritual condition, changing us from death to life. He's still there. He didn't leave. He brought us to life and and said, I like it here. I'm going to (laughs) stay. I like like being, and, and that's why we are the temple. It says two times in the New Testament, Know ye not? You are the temple of God. The word temple, it was the word that was used for the holy of holies. The New Testament Greek, it's the word naos, N-A-O-S. And it's talking specifically about the holy of holies. Well, I'm referring to the Old Testament tabernacle and the Old Testament worship in uh, the temple of Solomon. They had a holy place that some of the other priests could go into, but there was the Holy of Holies that nobody could go in except the high priest and he only could enter once a year. But that's the word describing your heart, my heart, our spirit, our born-again spirit. We are the Holy of Holies of God. We, why? Because the Spirit of God dwells in me. The Spirit of God dwells in me. He is resident in each of us who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. And because of that, He can communicate directly with us there. Our job is to learn how He communicates, is to become acquainted with His voice, to practice acting on His impressions and his promptings and his guidance from within hallelujah and to do that we start with the word because the holy spirit is the author of the word and he will use the word because if you become word trained you are safer than a person who just wants to be be all the time looking for something spiritual in a weird kind of way All right? The more we are word founded, word based, word established, the less kooky we'll be and the less unstable we'll be. So we we won't be unstable at all if we're word based. Why? Because the Word is established. The Word is a foundation. The Word will keep us from, from getting off. It will keep us from being carried away by winds of doctrines. It will keep us from being deceived by the cunning craftiness that it talks about in Ephesians chapter 4. The way that we do that is we allow this training of our spirit. So when I first got saved, there were two questions I had. And I, I, asked, uh, I would ask them regularly of different people until I finally found answers. And the first one was, how do I know the will of God for my life? Because after having gone as far in the wrong direction as I went, I did not want to ever miss the will of God again. So I would ask people, how do I know the will of God? How can I find the will of God? But the second question that I would ask people, and I actually, I had less, Accurate responses. Looking back on how people responded to me, fewer of the Christians that I encountered knew how to answer me on this one, and I was looking for the right answer, so I just kept asking. And the question was, "How do I hear from God? How do I hear from God?" And I, I got a lot of, um, "Well, you'll just learn it," and. And, you know, just things that really I knew you're telling me that, but you don't know how to answer me. (laughs) They didn't know. And I could tell they didn't know. And some of them would just be honest and say, you know, I really don't know how to tell you. I just learned somehow, you know, just praying or whatever. And so... Uh, it was, it became really something that I thought does any, uh, y'all all talk about God talking to you. Cause I hadn't, I wasn't raised in church and the, I would, I would hear people in the church saying, well, you know, the Lord spoke to me about that when I was praying the other day. I'm like the what? what? Who said what to what? The Lord spoke to you. Excuse me. I thought that was weird when I first heard it. You know, I thought, People raising their hands in church was weird. I thought I, I, I was so foreign to anything to, to do in the church. And so they, I really thought it was odd for them to tell me that God was speaking to them. And I thought, well, if he's speaking to them, I need him to speak to me too. How do I hear him? And I'll tell you the answer that helped me the most. The answer that helped me the most was from my pastor's wife. And she said... If you will learn how he speaks in the word, you'll recognize him when, to when he speaks to you otherwise. Thank you. That helped me so much. If I could learn how to recognize how he talks, how he speaks in the word, and you know what? His word began to speak to me. His word began to speak to me. I, I, was, I was so, so Alien to all of the things of God, and um, I was in i was uh, this is an example of how God used the Word to speak to me i was um, I was trying to put my life back together. I had not been saved very long, probably just a maybe a month and a half uh, a few a few weeks at the most or a few months at the most, and I was um, Coming out of a a really um, well y'all know my testimony. my first husband had died of a drug overdose i I when I got saved, I had all the drugs that I was taking regularly to try to get off drugs as well as all the drugs from the doctors that had given prescription medicine and when I got saved, I flushed all of that and I quit taking any of the drugs and of uh, the the methadone to get off drugs, and so I God just supernaturally set me free, and so I'm living living uh, this new life, and so excited about the things of God, and so excited to be free from drugs. And um, one day I get a phone call from my late husband's family, and they had had a fight amongst them. And I I didn't even have anything to do with them at this time because the people I was staying with, part of my being able to stay with them was that I would not tell anybody where I was because they didn't want anybody from my past coming to find me. Well, because this family had my children, I'd lost custody of my children, my children were over there, I had to have some contact with them because I was trying to get custody back and they were they were having a fight and someone had broken into the house and stolen the cremated remains of my late husband and they thought it was me and so they were threatening to come kill me and they wouldn't even hear that I didn't have anything to do with it I don't know what you're talking about they're on the phone saying I'm going to shoot you I I'm, I'm going to come find you and I'm going to I'm going to shoot you and I knew they had guns and I knew that they were pretty good shots and and I was I was you know this was my first real shake up since I had come to know the Lord And I had this Bible, that Bible I got for a quarter from the thrift store. And I had this Bible and I was like crying and I was sitting up on the couch in this person's living room. They had already gone to sleep. They're like, it's okay. Nobody knows where you are. It's okay. And I'm crying. (laughs) And I opened it up and it said, who are you to be afraid of a man that shall die? I am the Lord thy God. And I was so excited that God talked to me. I came undone. I'm like, God just talked to me through his word. And and I it was it was so supernatural. And you know, I, he did have a way to speak to me because I did not know how to hear anything here. I had not educated my heart, but he spoke to me through his written word, and I was so. I was so comforted that he, he had uh, a, an answer for me at that time. But that was the last time I ever just plopped my, my Bible open and found a scripture like that. <laughs> Since that time, God has educated me in his word so that now I know where to go find it or I learned how to go find help that would deal with my situation. Amen. And so this is what we're recognizing. The spirit of man, God wants to deal with my spirit. He wants to speak to my spirit. He wants me to educate my spirit. So let's talk just a little bit about this educating of the spirit. Uh, You know, there's a phrase in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23. And it's talking about uh, this new... um, new creation in Christ, if you will. Hebrews twelve twenty three. it uses this phrase at the final part of that verse, uh, to the spirits of just men made perfect. He's talking about uh, come the, the, the New Testament church. You are come to the Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable comp- company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven to the God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Well, just men is talking about those of us who have been justified, who have been made alive unto God. Just men, we are justified. And this word perfect, though, it is a word that means uh, developed. It means brought to a completion. The word means it's talking about a process. You would best define it as matured, just men made mature. And so this maturity in Christ, when we talk about maturity, it is not just because we've been saved a long time that we walk through this maturing process. Because we see from Scripture that it's possible to be saved and for a long time, long enough that you should be a teacher, it says, and still need milk. So the length of normal, natural, earthly years of my salvation doesn't mean that I've grown any. It's possible to get saved and stay a baby all your life. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. I, I personally think carnal Christianity has to be one of the most miserable places for a person. I remember when I was first saved, I, one of the, I, and I would be experiencing things that I knew, oh, this is carnal. This is my flesh. This is something I need to grow past. And there's just, the only way out of it is to grow out of it. And I would say, Lord, help me grow up. <laughs> Lord, help me mature. Lord, help me move past this desire to get the last word in. <laughs> help me move past this need to be right. Help me move past you know all of those things that are, are just the flesh needing to grow, your spirit needing to grow beyond that area. In your life, walking in love, that is, that, that is the major key to spiritual maturity. The more we can apply the word in our love walk, then the greater effectiveness we'll see in every every other area of our life. Because if we can keep from holding grudges, if we can be quick to forgive, whew, it's so much easier to hear from God. It's so much easier to get our prayers answered. It's so much easier to move our faith in a certain direction if we are quick to forgive. Amen? But that's maturity. And so this word, just men, the spirits made perfect. The spirits of these people made perfect. That's what God is aiming at. He's wanting us to grow. And so He gives us gifts. He gives us gifts to help us grow. Oh, don't you like presents? I like presents. He gives us gifts. What kind of gifts help us grow? Is it, is it the gifts of the Spirit? Is it is it uh, the, the, the gifts of, of healing? Is it that no, no, those are for ministry to others. The gifts that help us grow are the fivefold ministry offices. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and He gave some, so this is how we call them gifts, is because Jesus gave them. He gave apostles. He gave prophets. He gave evangelists. He gave pastors. He gave teachers. He gave, Jesus gave these gifts for, verse 12 says, for the perfecting. There's that word again, perfecting, for the developing, for the maturing. So the way, to, the, the way Jesus provided to help me, a supernatural way. These are not just titles or, for a job description. These are not just positions to be filled to work in. These are supernatural gifts. The apostle is not just the person who calls themselves an apostle. The apostle is a supernatural office that that person stands in. And when they operate from that office, they can accomplish things they cannot operate in themselves. The pastor is probably the easiest for us to understand because we as believers interact with the pastoral gift most often. The pastor's office is not just the person who is fulfilling a role of a pastor. The pastor office is a, a supernatural gift to feed, a supernatural um, gift, a supernatural flow, a supernatural supply to feed spiritual food and protect and comfort and guard sheep. Hallelujah. The greater the pastor develops and perfects in his office, the greater we receive from it, and the greater that we we connect, the greater we receive from it. So the gift can be there and people just say, oh, yeah, that's brother so-and-so. You know, that, that people walk in and say, oh, that's Phil. I know it just it just rubs you the wrong way. Want to who? No. If if you want what Philip can give you, you can call him Philip. But if you want what Pastor has to offer, call from the office, honor the office, and who are you honoring? The one who sent and gave the gift. It's not about. A title. It's not about what you call them, but it's about how you receive them. It's about the recognition that this gift is provided by Jesus. There's a spiritual supply in the gift to help me grow. So he gave the gifts for the perfecting, for the developing of the saints not just the pastor's gift but we are just using that one as an example to help us recognize the gifts are in the local church in the church the body of christ and in our local church we connect to these gifts so uh these these supplies in the ministry offices are meant to help believers mature the perfecting the developing the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry. The fivefold ministry offices are not the only ones responsible to work in the ministry. All of us have a place in God's ministry. We're all called, we, we're not all called to the fivefold office, but we're all called to do something for Jesus. Amen? And the way that we learn how to do the ministry is by maturing, being perfected. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice it says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, there's the word again, a well-matured, well-developed man or woman unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth from now on be no more children He doesn't want us to remain spiritually immature. Why? Because then we would be tossed to and fro. We would be carried about with every wind of doctrine. We would be moved by the slight of men. We would be deceived by their cunning craftiness because they're lying in wait to deceive. So he wants us to grow. And how do we grow? We we grow by the word. We, we desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. And how is that word delivered to us? Jesus gave supernatural anointings and offices to deliver that word to us in a way that will make us grow. So it's not just head knowledge. We're not coming to church to get details and, and facts and information that's mental. When we come to church, we're hearing a sermon and it's, it's got some information in it and it's got some details in it, but it's spiritual. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are, word, they are spirit and they are life. So the words are anointed words. The words are words that have faith contained within them. Remember, every word of God is full of power. God's words are containers for His creative power and when they are preached from that anointed office, when they are preached out of that ministry office of the pastor or the teacher or the evangelist, they carry power to effect change in our life to cause us to grow. So it's not just details and that's why, that's why we are instructed to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Not to always demand something new, something deep. I want something, ooh, I want something deep. I want something that's that's going to wow me. I want something I've never heard before. Nah, not really. <laughs> you know, there there's a place for learning some new concepts, but I'm I I I I like some of the same food I've been eating for the last 10 years, 15 years, right? Enchilada casserole, bring it any time. I can eat some enchilada casserole any day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, thank you very much. And I won't ever get tired and say, I don't want to ever eat that again. No, I'll, I'll probably want that in just a couple more weeks, <laughs> right? Well... The Word, we've got to develop our taste in the Word and not be quick to just chow down into something, bite into something that we're unsure of, right? And that's why it, there is that safety in, in that submission in the church. So um, the growth will help us not to be deceived it will help us not to be moved it'll give us that foundation and then let's finish up right here in verse 15 speaking the truth in love we may grow up into him in all things which is the head even christ so we see growing up is the objective growing up maturing all of us are at different places of maturing but none of us are, are done <laughs> with what we can learn and can receive and can develop in. Amen? But this process of training or educating our spirit is something that we need to take the responsibility of. And um, in, in sessions to come, we'll talk a little bit more about these methods, how to develop. Uh, but I just want to lay that groundwork for us the importance of us developing our spirit in the Word to interact with God through His Word and to lay that structure, that foundation for following Him and maturing in Him. Amen? We're going to close here so that I can stay in line with uh, Pastor's Hour of Power. I told him uh, I said something, uh, you know, unless you get home before me, and he says, "Well, you know, you sure have been preaching long." <laughs> and so uh, you see, it is eight o'clock, and so we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna release our faith. Father, thank you for your word that provides us spiritual nutrition, establishing growth, maturity, and safety. Lord, I pray that as we go forward in you that that structure of a firm foundation of faith and truth would be laid within the hearts of every faith builder. Lord, we want that spiritual maturing and growth process to be ongoing in this body so that not just the individuals but this whole body can move into that fullness of the stature of Christ that you speak of. And so, Father, we release our faith for that that laying of the foundations in the hearts of your people. And for those who are to come, Lord, that we will recognize and and help to feed the milk of the Word so that they can grow thereby. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.